0: And now, ladies and gentlemen,
1: check it out. You've Got to Start Somewhere, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of show business to prove there's no such thing as an overnight success. With your host, Rachel Corbett.
0: Welcome to the show. Today I have one of Australia's most loved comedians, a TV and radio presenter, host of the B-Team on Sky News and one of my favourite humans in the whole wide
1: world, Mr
0: Peter Burner.
1: (laughs) Am I really one of Australia's most loved comedians?
0: Yes, everybody I ask in every bio I read tells me that you are.
1: Yeah, but I wrote most of those (laughs) bios.
0: Is there anything weirder than when – because this is part of the business. You have to <laughs> write your own bios. Yep. Is there anything weirder than that third person – I just can't no, do it.
1: I don't like doing it. I'm o- overly humble in my bios. Oh, Pete Byrne <laughs> done some stuff and, and then other people are reading and go, mate – You've hosted four TV shows. You've done this. You've appeared on everything. Oh yeah, but you sound like a knob.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, you say that as a leaf blower <laughs> fires up in the background. Oh, see, this is showbiz. <laughs> this is showbiz. I must mention that this show today is being done from the uh, the attic in my apartment.
1: Seriously. <laughs> what, I, what I don't get is I don't. I've never understood. I mean, I'm not the only person. Everyone makes this observation. But a rake. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, seriously It blows leaves It doesn't even it doesn't, I know. Basically it makes leaves other people's problems
0: Yeah, I could spend $5 on a rake And rake these leaves up Or I could spend $470 on a leaf blower And just blow them into somebody else's yard
1: And buy the rake Ditch the gym membership Buy the push me, pull me lawnmower (laughs) Get rid of the gym membership
0: Yeah, well I do hope John next door gives that a rest at some point Is that John next door? Yeah, it's John next door There's a lot of noise that goes on around here I often wonder, and maybe they've Actually, they've probably employed somebody to do the leaf blowing And now we've got an aeroplane going over the top
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we could go and do this on Taylor Square And it would be quieter, (laughs) really
0: you know the interesting thing about this is, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of teaching about podcasting, including a lot of uh, a lot of coaching on how to get good audio. Yeah,
1: tech <laughs> hints. Right
0: on. And here I am doing my very own podcast from what sounds like Ken attire.
1: Ken, Ken attire, <laughs> and we're using a, a sound booth made of fantastic furniture cushions. I like it. And and and, and one of and one of Nana's knitted Pros.
0: I will put a photo up yeah. of uh, of this setup. I have tried to dampen the sound uh, Mm. because I am a professional, even though it maybe doesn't sound that way. But you know what? We're just going to do it like this because you're right. This is showbiz. Sometimes these things go down. And to be honest, trying to wrangle people to do this show, it's tough. Everybody's got their own things to do. They've got their own, you know, uh, commitments. So this is the time we can do. This is the time I've got you. I could say let's stop it while John gets it. You know what? No, we're going to do it with John in the background. When you were a kid, Mm. what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I thought for a long time I wanted to be a cartoonist I wanted to I liked the idea of working from home drawing cartoons and then sitting on the train going somewhere and having people giggling beside me as they read what I did I don't know if I ever had a burning ambition to, and that's my problem I've never had a burning ambition to be anything and I think that's a real problem I think if I, I envy those people who are so sure of what they want to do and i'm mm. passionately engaged in something at a young age i want to be a lawyer i want to be a teacher i want to work with animals i wanted days off you know i mean it, it, but, but and it felt like a cop-out it felt really lazy and now at 54 i'm getting a tinge of regret that i didn't wasn't more proactive and, and determined and focused as But the thing man. about
0: later year regret I think is that Unless you made an active choice Unless part of you wanted to be more Applied and driven and in a certain direction Essentially what you're saying When you get to that certain age And you regret those things is I wish I ha- could rewind myself As an entirely different person The reality is if you went back in time You weren't built that way So you I was
1: lazy, I'm a lazy man I think that's it I, le- I left school in 1980. I did the barest amount I needed to matriculate. They th- I didn't know what I wanted to do. I will I'll enroll in science at senior university. How much does that need? 274. So I got 294. You know, just enough to get into science. Spent the time at the pub playing snooker. Didn't go to lectures. Failed everything outright. Got. A- I still got the document at home that said fail, 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 and computer science discontinued. Fail, wow. failed everything. Left. Didn't want to be a scientist. Mm. My school school was not uh, something that I really engaged with. Uh, and then I got a job as a copy boy at the Mirror. And then after three months, I got a job in an ad agency as in the dispatch department, wrapping parcels. Got retrenched a year later. Sat around for a while. Then my parents said, get off your ass, you've got to get a job. And through a friend of theirs, got a job as a cadet auctioneer in Newcastle. Spent a year in Newcastle, then drifted back into advertising for a couple of years, then went overseas, and it was never really committed backpacker either. It, was, <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't. I, you know, in, in hindsight, I probably should have stayed away longer, but I came back early. Why did you come back early? Oh, I don't know.
0: Did you just not know
1: what to do? I had no idea what to do. I was literally drifting around. And then I got back into advertising, drifted around there. It was never really a great in that you know i mean Mm. there was i left one job and i'm sure there would have been unpaid invoices in the bottom drawer from supplies that they would have found and gone "Why (laughs) i'm just not committed to it Mm. didn't give a shit and and then then ended up falling into stand-up that's the only thing that that i the only job i've ever had and i was doing it for free i would go down every night of the week to a comedy club every night of the week day in day out every night of the week and just hang out it was good There were they were dysfunctional people and i felt comfortable around and i felt like a creative yeah and i felt like oh i'm an artist i'm a performer
0: do you think that part of that um like my parents just weren't the type of parents who gave me any sort of assistance in how to be a human yeah. or direction did you feel like that were, were your parents not the kind of people that were sort of paving the way or showing you the way to get to where you wanted I to go or?
1: yeah i don't I think I was a concern to mum and dad because I didn't tick the boxes, Mm. I didn't pick a a traditional career path, I didn't have a a focus or I wasn't driven, I didn't do homework, I had to be argued and and berated into doing anything. I was lazy, I was profoundly lazy and I I don't know if that was just a disconnect with nothing engaged me. I don't think the school I went to was particularly, in those days, it was not a school that it cut. Students to fit the cloth, not the cloth to fit the student, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and, and even to this day, you know, write an article for the paper, yeah, 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 right. I do, I not? <laughs> you know, do a, do a, I've got so many unfinished scripts and un, unrealized ideas for children's books and books and books of drawings and f- all that finished. Any, no,
0: do you get angry at yourself about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I get angry, and then another day passes. And and I worry that I'm going to lie down, and that really, it's beginning to become morbid. Um, and that's a really bad thing to be is that you lie, sit there at 55, 54, or whatever I am, and think, you know what, I'm going to get to 70. i I'm going to be lying there, you know, taking my last breath, looking back, and go, you just, it's one shot. Mm. You collected shit. Mm. You didn't. You didn't. Nothing stands out as being. And people go, man, you've hosted four TV shows. You've done radio. Yeah, but. And it you know, does it really? It's also
0: your that often looks so magical from the outside looking in because it's such a huge step from sitting in front of the TV watching it to being the person standing on the TV. But in your life, it's a series of tiny little steps that eventually get you to the TV, which means that by the time you get to the TV, you haven't taken the leap from being pulled out of obscurity to host your own TV show. It's been a lot of years to get there. So it it sort of rubs the shine off it eventually. You go, oh, well, this is the next logical step. It's It's, the job.
1: It's the job. It's not... It's the job. And I don't want to, I mean, I'm, sound, I'm starting to sound, people go, oh, God, I'm going to slash my wrist if I listen to any longer.
0: <laughs> John pissed
1: off. He'd <laughs> had enough. On, he's he's, had enough. And he was only had half an ear on it <laughs> over a leaf bar. Uh, but I guess it, yeah, like, you don't want to be too, I mean, I'm a bit of a misery guts and I don't want to be either. I, I'm, I'm trying to be less and less. But I think my natural state is curmudgeoning. I mm. think my natural state is pessimism, you, I, which is, which is. Unhealthy.
0: But do you think that's why comedy resonated with you? Because there's that sort of curmudgeon cynical sort of view is a comedy angle. Yeah.
1: Well, I had a, I remember I got a report card when I was in, it would have been sixth class or even maybe what they call seventh class now, first form in those days. And the teacher said, Peter is cynical. My mother burst into tears when she saw that. I didn't even know what cynical meant. I had to look it up. And for a long years, I, I, I I thought, oh, it's a bad thing. It's a bad, look at the reaction of my mother. It's a bad thing to be cynical. But, but I, and I think there probably is. I mean, Oscar Wilde, you know, the cynic is, knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And I, that's harsh. I don't want to be that because I do see the value in things. So I've, I, maybe I fight against type. Maybe I just fight against the natural level of me, you know? And, and other people have in, embraced it. Like, I used to be incredibly angry on stage and I see a lot of it now in the younger comics and I think, yeah, well, that was my act. Twenty years ago, welcome to it. And I, and I and maybe I instead of instead of embracing that and becoming the angriest man in Australia, I sort of backed away from it a little bit and thought no, it's miserable. Mm. Um, and I still I'm still a cynic, but I think a cynic with a sense of humour is more interesting, more fun to be around than just a a moany guy, which I'm starting to sound like <laughs> right now, really moany guy. <laughs>
0: No, no, no. (laughs) Hit the
1: the erase button. Jesus Christ. Can we start again? (laughs) I always wanted to be a clown. I was a happy, happy child. I worked hard at school and made a conscious decision to be an entertainer. I didn't drift into anything. It was absolutely the plan.
0: But this is the great thing about having these kind of discussions is that this is the bit of the business that nobody ever talks about. Because mm. most of the people see the funny guy on stage And my experience is that most of the people that I have met in Myself included There is something... Painful or difficult or something that fuels the part of them that got on stage in the first place.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, for me, I I guess my, a lot of my family say that I was, you know, my auntie always says that she, she'll never forget the time I was five years old and told everybody to come into the lounge room and um, put the, you know, ottoman behind the curtains in the lounge room, we stood up on it, tore them apart and went, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio. I mean I didn't yeah I don't, you know. Really? Yeah, I don't know where right. that came from. So my auntie always said oh we always knew you'd be doing something like this. But for me, I I remember distinctly it being when my parents broke up. All I wanted to do was get on stage and do drama and do, like wow. I had this reckless abandon of I don't care if I make a fool of myself like I wanted that high yeah. of getting out there and and taking risks and doing that sort of stuff. That was the catalyst for me you know, during that shitty time to sort of push myself onto stage. And I think mm. a lot of – I've never met a performer who goes, you know what, it's just been a real easy ride for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Happy
0: childhood, really happy life, don't ever worry in the world, don't have the, like I've never met anybody like that.
1: We it, do dwell on our lives more than other people. The other people uh, – part of me is very envious of those guys that have a job, they go to their job, they come home, they have a beer with their mates, they go for a bit of a fish, they come home, they hug the family – they pat the dog, they sit down, they have a beer, and it's all, and, and they don't, there's no existential angst in any mm. of their life. I spend my whole life tortured about my whole life, you mm. know, and it can be draining, it's physically draining. You think, oh, mate, just get some friends, go out, <laughs> you know?
0: And the interesting thing is that there are some of those guys going home patting their dog that would kill for your life. Yeah, you know uh, yeah. that would kill well, they, the... they
1: kill for what they think that life is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, for the experience of being on TV yeah. or those kind of
1: things. That... See, people say to me, you know, oh, it must be very hard to do stand-up. I would say doing a forty-hour week is much harder. Yeah. Being responsible for a payroll. Yeah. Much harder. Having a job and 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 paying the insurances and having meetings, much harder mm. than what I do. I've got to work tonight for thirty-five minutes, forty <laughs> minutes. If I'm having a great time, I'll do ten for free. You yeah. Know? And, that's you know, and for that I'm you know someone's going to pass me some money folded up in the palm of their hand, and I'm going to go and when I get home I'll unfold it and we'll be fifty bucks short. That's the, you know, but it's it's it look it's and I can, but unfortunately you can't do that every night of the week in this mm. country anyway. I certainly can't. I can't do it every night of the week, so I can't make a living that way. Why I did it? Especially when you're talking about being on stage. I think for me it was hiding in plain sight. It's it's one of the few places on the planet that I am at peace is mm-hmm. in front of total strangers, and there's something. I'm sure Freud would have a field day with the fact that the the best relationship you have is with 100 total strangers. Yeah. But, you know, the Zorro thing is you turn up, I speak, and then I go. I've never been one for hanging around afterwards. I'm awkward around people. I don't, to borrow John Lovett's line in The Simpsons, I don't take praise very well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I, it's like this is what I, I, I'm here. I've said what I need to say. Goodbye. I'm I'm gone now. And then I walk by myself back to my car and drive by home and watch episode of Law and Order. And it's not it's not showbiz.
0: I think there's a lot of people like that. I often, you know, friends of mine don't understand how I because f- I'm the same. I feel a lot more comfortable in front of a hundred people. And the, the thing for me, I have massive social anxiety. If I walk into a room of people, like at any kind of celebrity or red carpet event, kill me. Yeah. Kill me now. The idea of walking into a room where I don't know anyone and networking. Oh but, my god, I would rather die. But the reason that I feel more comfortable that
1: is a big, big thing you need to do in this business. I didn't do it and you quote unquote pay the price. Networking, kissing ass, being at the party, shaking hands, all that, back slapping. Critical if you want to if you want to move to a level beyond your nat- where your natural talent will get you
0: but you can pick and choose the people that you network with I think
1: I don't own this business I don't think I think you got to network I mean you know my wife would say P- pick three people you need to talk to and then leave <laughs> Yeah. See, I find myself at events like that talking to security. I'd rather yeah, talk to security the and the same. sound guy. I'm
0: so the same. <laughs> but the thing about being on stage for me or doing any of that kind of stuff is, it makes me feel like I have a purpose in the room. Mm. Whereas when I'm floating around, I don't feel like yeah. I have a purpose. Yeah. So I think people are thinking, "What am I doing here? Nobody knows who I am." I'm no, gonna she here. exactly. Yeah. But when you're the person, the bloke up there, sort of, you know, you've got a reason yeah. to be.
1: Yeah, I'm meant to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm meant to be here. I'm supposed. <laughs> yeah. That's true too I think that's a, a real truth That it makes you feel Like you've got a purpose In the room mm. I totally get that
0: How did you fall into comedy At first?
1: I came back From backpacking overseas Which you know And that's the curious thing About that For me anyway It was sort of Escape to find myself Or whatever it was Or to, to, to see to to, to, to distance myself from this, and it turns out you're there all the time, so but, hey, guess what? the reason everything <laughs> is the way it is is you <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter where you go yeah. you know so I came back and I fell into the same job pretty much in the same routines that drove me to cast, cast the dust off my shoes and see the world, young man, and I thought you know and it wasn't it's not a bad existence. you know I was earning okay money in advertising, I wasn't in the creative department, but, and I wasn't really thrilled with what I was doing. I'd go home. I'd sit in front of the television, you know, punch cones, watch TV, <laughs> go to work, come home. It was a you know, you know, it could have gone on ad infinitum. And then I thought, I want to get out of the house and do something. And I'm not a, a joiner. I don't. I didn't go to the tennis club or go to the yacht club. And I'm going to sail and fish. So, and then I remember. I thought, oh well, I'll go and do open mic night because it felt a bit like bungee jumping. I'll do that. Tick you know and I rang them on a Monday or Tuesday I rang them on a... and I said when's your open mic night and they said tomorrow and I said oh can, can I put my name down they said yeah come down I didn't have any material I just thought up, why not just go so I turned up at the comedy store in Margaret Lane in the original comedy store low ceiling great venue mm. god I miss it great venue and Adrian Norman was the MC All a lot of my mates and we was sort of starting at the same time I don't know if they were all on the bill But I know Achmal was starting then Was, was sort of start, new on the scene then James O'Loughlin was new on the scene then And I got up and I did five minutes And I got laughs I don't know how I got laughs But I got laughs And I went to the bar afterwards I'm sitting there And Adrian Norman came up to me and said You did alright stick at it It's alright You got laughs
0: what did you do? What gear did you do? Or did you just get up there and make it up as you I went think,
1: along? I remember the first thing I ever said on stage it was at the time of um, the Satanic Verses oh, and yeah. every comic was doing jokes about Salman Rushdie and I got up and the first thing I said was I'm not going to say anything about Salman Rushdie. Right. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's easy. And then I I just I don't know if I had any material. I had a couple of ideas and I and I and, I and it's a hard five minutes legs shaking, sweat coming down the brow. It's a long time. But I was hooked. I was hooked. I was, and part of it was also I wanted to go. back. I wanted to see what was backstage. And at the end of the day, it's some brooms, and a mop, and not a lot of space. <laughs> but that was that to me was s- sacred ground, and it was it was a behind the velvet rope. You know, it was that. Mm-hmm. And the, the the price you pay for doing that is you got to go on stage. And then I became just a bad smell around the comedy club all the time. And you go through process I guess it's the same now you would go down and you'd do every open mic and you'd get on Monday night all the open mic and then you go to Harold Park and do open mics there and then and then you got after the comedy store to do us to an unpaid support on a Friday night they put you in front of the big room you know you think shit I'm there you know and then the, one of the great moments I always remember and then you start getting a paid gig and this that, and the other thing and I remember and you're always still sitting on the fringe and around the table at that time was the Graham Pews. Serenie Smelovic was around, Alan Glover was around, Rick Carter was around, Anthony Aykroyd was around, Rodney was still around. And then I remember standing at the bar watching the sort of centre table of these comics and Gra- I remember to this day, I remember Graham Pugh looked at me and I've, I'm a big fan of Graham. He doesn't do stand-up anymore. He's a genius. Um, he shifted to his side and said, go, "Come, go and sit down. And I thought, I've been invited to the table. Wow. That was a real moment for me. I thought, f*** it, man, I'm a comic. I'm a comic now. I can call myself a comic, and there's a lot of people in the game at the moment. And I occasionally go down to open mic nights where people who've done three open mics will get up and go, "You know, I'm a comic." And I feel like I'm not even close, mate. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Murher had a great line. He said, "Stand-up comedy is a ten-year apprenticeship, mate. Mm. Come back in ten years, then you're a comic." I've done two open mics, you know, as a comic. Get <laughs> f-
0: <laughs> not even close. Do you feel like those early days, because I think, you know, the 80s and 90s for comedy, I don't know whether this is classic nostalgia that we all go through, oh, I was better back in the old days, but, you know, the the years when you had comedy on the TV all the time, your fast-forwards, your full frontals, mm. where people were... Big gig. Big gig, like stuff where you can still quote lines from those right. shows back then. All you know, the
1: names, a lot of the big names today cut their teeth on yeah. that. Yeah.
0: But those were all of the people, you know, too, that were doing the circuit around that time. They all became
1: the radio stars of the late 80s and early 90s.
0: Exactly. And things have very much changed on the landscape now and how things
1: work. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, see, none of the people that I knew as a stand-up when I started had a five-year plan. None of them had a career in mind. It was basically just a group of, you know, awkward social misfits getting together and doing jokes and getting paid 60 bucks and whinging that they got paid 60 bucks but the truth is they do it for free <laughs> um and then then came the visards and the this and the american scene and you and people looked at it and went wow it's a business mm. there was no there was no management around when we were started you know the, the early managers were just people that went oh i have a crack and now though it's a business mm. and comics come to it going right this is my plan I'm going to do open mics and I'll do this I'll do f- festival shows it's got to have a festival show tick 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 got to have a festival show I didn't do a festival show for 10 years yeah um, and, but now you do a festival show and then I'm going to get management and then I'll get to do the project and then I'll be the morning guy on one of the Melbourne stations and then you know and all do this And it's a career plan and it's I, I look at it and go wow okay I didn't even hear the expression callback. For 15 years until mm. someone said, Oh, you he just see that guy's callback? I said, You know what? Well, what's a callback? Oh, you know, he did the joke about the dog and then did the what you mean he talked about, Reference referenced the joke. That's got a name. I didn't know it had a name. Had a name. It's called a callback. Fantastic. All right. I learned something. Um, so it's, it's now much more of a business. Yeah. And there's management and there's big money in it. You mm. know? If you get, um, I mean, you look at people like Carl Barron and what have you, uh, who's a big the big biggest touring act in the country by a long, by a country mile. It's great. I mean, it's 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 big money. Mm. If you sell out the M more, think about you know you're you're not a band. You're not dividing it by five other guys in the band.
0: Not a huge amount of overhead. You and a, a e- of a and a pair of jeans and a pair of jeans and a carpet <laughs> if you want it and
1: and and a mic yeah. and a stand and that's it. No rehearsal weeks. None of that. You rock up to the Emmore if you if you're good enough act. You've got two thousand people paying what sixty bucks a ticket. To see you end, more Do the maths on that mm. It's good earn What about It takes a long time to get there but Yeah, it's good
0: earn What about um, uh, You know obviously Comedy While some of it is You know getting up on stage And having a crack A lot of it is actually Working out which jokes work Retrying material Giving you know Writing stuff As somebody who is By their own admission Someone who doesn't like to sit down And work stuff Is just a bit lazy mm. Did you work at that no. Hard or no?
1: No. I, I in, uh, uh, No, I've never been a great writer. I've tried. In the early days, I thought, oh, I've got to write stuff. So you sit down and write. Oh, I bored. You yeah. Know, do something else. <laughs> do something constructive? No, no, just sit around and <laughs> pick my nose, watch Delhi. Oh, so not constructive. No, no, it's not like I was, you know, <laughs> you know I was just... <laughs> reading somebody else's but, comedy writing. No, right, no, <laughs> yeah, I was just... just uh, it's, I, I mean, I thought to myself, well, like, if, if I'm doing that, I may as well get a job that mm. pays. If I'm going to be working, I may as well get a job. So, no, I... But I did make a, a, a point that in the early days of doing the five-minute, the open-mic stuff, I would get in the car when I was driving to the Harold Park and I would think, if I can't think of anything to say between now and when I get to the Harold, I won't go on. So I put myself under the pressure of trying to do something different every time I got on stage. And sometimes I would walk on without a thought in the world and just go for it. And some of the best stuff ever comes out of that great stuff we you know, when Bugs Bunny painted himself into a corner And then had to paint a door to get himself yeah. out That was me I'd, yeah. I'd, Sometimes I would go on stage and deliberately Piss the audience off So they would hate me and then win them back I like to surprise myself on stage Yes and over the years you develop A box of Lego pieces and you pull them out And you build shapes with different ideas and diff- Oh that's, I haven't said that for a while and, and that might lead to a whole new Bit and some of the bits that I Bits that I have now started as one line And then You build on them. And I'm sure... And other people write... like People like Trevor Crook, uh, who's who's a writer, Bruce Griffiths. Writers, they write it. It's meticulous. It's word perfect. It's glorious. Seinfeld's like that. I'm a bit more shambolic, I think, in my approach, which makes it difficult when TV, say... We want you to do five on the Visage show? Send us the routine you're going to do.
0: Did you just have to send routines for that kind of yeah, yeah, stuff? Because ha- you did Hey Hey and all that. I
1: did all. I, mm. I have vague memories of Andrew Taylor at the time. I think having conversations with him, going, "Oh look, you know, it'll be fine. You know, Pete, it's, you know this is what he's going to be roughly talking about. You know, and get around <laughs> yeah. having to actually word for word because I can't do word for word.
0: Yeah. Do you have jokes that you used to say in the early or versions of that now are still... Oh, shit, yeah. yeah?
1: Oh, yeah, and anyone that says they don't is a liar. <laughs> Absolutely, I've got... I've got, I, And I don't do them all the time, but every now and then I'll, I'll find myself at a place and I'll do a bit and I'll realise I wrote that bit in 1997. Wow. So it's coming up to its 20-year anniversary is a bit, but it's still a good bit.
0: You know, it's funny because I was watching a, a tape of an old episode of Backburner from 2001. Right. And I, I wanted to actually ask you about because obviously comedians, you know, you're you're writing, you're crafting material about uh, stuff that is relevant in the day, right? You know, everything's sort of topical and and stuff that's going on. So over the years, you sort of, you know, you you kind of across all of the major mm. sort of stories and issues of the day. And I wondered whether you thought that we have just been having the same conversation for fifty years yeah, because. The 2001 episode of the ba- of
1: Backburner that I watched... Let me guess, terrorism, immigrants, asylum seekers.
0: Yeah, yeah your opening monologue was about asylum seekers. Yeah. Then there was a sketch about union bullying yeah. and one about the ABC being biased. There you go. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's today. It's
1: the same. Basically, you learn when you do things like Backburner and, and, the, and the B team and things like that. It's the same news, it's just happening to different people. That's it in a nutshell. I remember just standing on a roof and talking about... This two thousand. It must have been two thousand and one. doing a rant about um, I don't care where you come from. Basically, you come over. Just leave that shit from over there, over there. This is not the you bring. You come here to leave that behind. Don't start bringing. And this could have been happening today. Could be exactly the same bit in fact I can still do material from then about and I still do about terrorism because it 's guess what it 's not going anywhere this
0: is the great thing yep. is that you 've got a whole bag full of stuff yep. from two thousand and one that you can wheel out at any time because it 's the same conversation we 're having all well, over an again.
1: article the other day recently someone goes, you know the problem today is that uh, is that the enemy is confusing. We don't know who the enemy is because we don't... uh, There there could be anybody. And I thought, mate, let me just show you (laughs) this bit I did to camera in 2001 about how, you know... We missed the Nazis. You, you knew where you were with the yeah. Nazis. You'd see six Nazis coming over here. You think there's trouble because they wore uniforms. You got it. They were the Nazis. <laughs> yes. It was a simpler time. Now who knows who the enemy is? That was 2000, two thousand. Year two thousand. Yeah. And we're still people are still going uh, profoundly as if it's a if, if it's a, if it's a startling revelation, revelation today. It's the same news just to different people.
0: How did that move from the comedy stage to television happen for you?
1: That was. Um, courtesy of jim burnett and graham Pierre. they um i mean i'd done the the hey Hayes and the steve vizards and the midday show mm. <laughs> Oh,
0: the midday show <laughs> i did the
1: midday show where i walked out i still remember what i was wearing you know you make those bad fashion choices and i think oh shit what the <laughs> hell is that what were you wearing oh i don't know it looked vaguely velour and I thought, oh, what? God. <laughs> what is that thing why did you think that was good and, you, and in the early days of stand-up, I went through all sorts of things And you know, I started to wear a suit at one stage oh, of course. I wanted to be the only suit wearing Really? I remember one <laughs> night at the comedy store uh, in, When it was down at Jamison Street Going out and rubbing my name off the chalkboard And tr- trying out different last names oh. I didn't want to be Pete Bird oh, No, no, no Peter Toon, no, no, no. And then I'd come out, Peter Jackson, no, no, no. And all I did that all night. I kept changing my name to see which one suited, which one wow. was a good stage name. Shows a lack of confidence in itself, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so the transition. So uh, Jim, Jim and Graham had been asked to develop a television show that was going to be pitched to the ABC. And Jim, God bless him, one of the greats, he called me in and said, come and help. Create, write this to format this, develop this. It ended up becoming backbone, and then they were saying, "Well, you know, we need a host," and Jim said, "Well, he should host it." No, you know, I was nobody. Mm. He should host. It. They went, "Oh, what? Really? Yeah, yeah. Get him to host it." And then they actually auditioned me. I think that Sean Michaelov auditioned for it. I think I don't know, uh, but and they said, oh, "I'll give it to him." I think it's because I was a bargain, a bit of a writer, a bit of a performer, <laughs> same bargain basement price. Uh, and so, and then they they decided, well, I think the name Backburner, oh, that's got a ring to it, and, and voila, you become a TV host. And that's, again, it's sort of like you, you originally commissioned for 13 EPS, and you only assume it's ever going to be 13 EPS. So you don't, you don't plan ahead, you don't, in this business, you can never go, right, I've made it, that's it, easy street, going to go and buy a house on the water, $4 million mortgage, mm-hmm. sweet. Thirteen eps, then another thirteen, and they only commissioned them in thirteen eps. So you you're only ever thirteen eps away from being out of work. Yeah. Uh, but it went for two and a half years, and through through then you get a profile, you get on telly, you know. Then you get to get booked for corporate work. Um, you, you know, you, you're pains to point out that I was just as funny when I wasn't on telly. Yeah, but you're on telly now, so yeah. you, and that's a big the magic glowing box is a yeah, big thing huge. in this business. You know, mm-hmm. you get, and for all the. People, I'm a YouTube star Yeah mate But secretly in your heart You want commercial TV mm. Even though you think Commercial TV is dying Yeah but you still want it mate Because that's the stamp That mm-hmm. means you've made it Doesn't matter how many YouTube hits you get You still want Channel 9 to say We want you know And then I got uh, Triple M And then the ABC came back And wanted the Einstein Factor And I did that for six years And in Einstein I probably did it For about four years too long Yeah Because you, you get lazy You think Ooh regular gig And mm. they, booked, they renewed that For a year you think, oh, wow, that's 40 weeks' work. And you think, okay, that's 40 weeks' work. And then I got lazy with stand-up and I thought, well, I don't want to go down to the to the hotel at 9 o'clock Get on a Friday night for 50 bucks. Mm. Not that I wasn't passionate and love stand-up. I, again, I'm lazy. I thought, well, I've earned my earn. I've done mm-hmm. my wage. And and that's a big mistake. if In this business, if, in, if you're going to be a stand-up, my advice to you, you keep that balloon in the air at the same time as you... Do other things because the other thing may fall down one day, and you'll always have you cultivate that live audience.
0: You got to feather your nest.
1: Got it. Got mm. it. Got it. Uh, yeah.
0: Do you think part of that? Because I know a lot of people that I've worked with uh, who went through that sort of particularly '90s uh, era, particularly in radio. Radio was king. Could like they were batting the advertisers away. Mm. Money was flush. You know, people didn't have Netflix and a million mm. other distractions. A lot of people, I've worked with a lot of people in the past who went through that time and weren't smart about that time because they thought it would last forever. Uh, and while, you know, there's a nostalgia about it and I think to myself, gosh, what an incredible time to work in the business. At the same time, I started in the in the time where it's like, you're lucky if you get one year and this will, you know, you'll probably be back at law school <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. doing, doing what you thought you were going to do. So that kind of message gets drummed in pretty quickly. So you always kind of feel like, oh, shit, I better try and make. Yeah, exactly. I'm on borrowed time. Do you feel like while that time, I'm sure, was. Meanwhile, it's. Is every plane leaving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they are. They're pretty much leaving now. All leaving now. <laughs> is, is it just at this time of well, day? It's school,
1: it's school pickup in the eastern yeah, suburbs. Right. That's where they're, that's where All they're the going. All the private planes yeah, are it. going
0: to the private schools. Um, but do you, you know, while that time was exciting, do you, do you feel like it almost gave you a false sense of what the business is? Do you think you bought into it yeah, too no, much? No, I, I never or?
1: did. I probably should have, but I never did. Mm. I was never... I mean, the, the money was good. I was on the tail end of, of that. I mean, there was, it was bigger when I, before I got there. In the, in the heydays of Sydney radio, uh, you know, it, when I was listening to it, when Doug Mowray ruled the waves, and he did, he, it was enormous. And the model, I think, was different. Doug, and I know uh, Doug slightly, and I know the people, some of the people he worked with better, he provided content that you, the listener, enjoyed. And and Denton was the same. He created content, and you would listen to it. And then the model in radio changed, where it became user-driven content. So oh, where was the best place you've had a dump? Ring <laughs> us now, and then the and the and the jocks would respond. Oh, you know Neville from Right. Oh, I took a dump once on the Harbour Ridge oh, And then you'd <laughs> do jokes about that. Yeah. You didn't provide content. It was a conversation. The model changed. Mm. Um, and 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 radio started to change too, in that they started to remove the stranglehold the personalities had so kyle is probably the last and and hamish and andy as well i guess their personalities which means that you've got to buy them yeah whereas i was part of that cage model eminently interchangeable parts (laughs) the the cage (laughs) is an idea the cage it's like it's like a computer you remove that and you push in a new component yeah whereas the Andrew Denton Show was the Andrew Denton Show. Mm. Doug Murray was Doug Murray. Hi, Kyle and Jackie O was Kyle and Jackie O. But th- that's where you end up with the grill team and the cage and the breakfast crew and the this. Eminently replaceable talent. Yes, But yeah. the overriding brand remains the same. And I think radio started to... I mean, they've gone a little bit back the other way now with because they realise talent is king. If you find someone who the audience love, like i.e. Hamish and Andy, sky's the limit. You know, They ask what they want and they get what they want because... They bring people to the radio station, but basically all these mediums—TV and radio—are just bits of content separating ads. Yes, yeah, exactly, you know? you're exactly. the bits between the ads, really.
0: For you, then, the way that you work and come up with content, radio must have been a great fit for you I because that radio. is the Life great food. joy of live. Let's just see what happens. And Let's prep what we're going to talk about. And when we're in there, let us see where this ball goes.
1: See where it goes. And it can only be as good as it is in that moment. And yes, I could go away and think about it more and craft it and rewrite it and redraft it and what have you. But that's work. Yeah. Let's just turn up and, and say some funny stuff. And hopefully it's funny. And it could, yes, it could have been funnier, probably. But right now, right here, right now, it's gone now. Mm. Um, it was a great, I think it was Tim Smith once said, um, the difference between radio and television is in television. The lawyers say you can't say that, and in radio, the lawyers say, "Wish you hadn't said." that. <laughs> exactly. and, and, and there's an immediacy to radio that that I much prefer. If I, you know, people say, "Which one do you prefer?" I think stand-up first and foremost. Radio is akin to stand-up as close as you can get. The B team is a lot like radio in that yeah. it's little oversight. There's no rehearsal. There's no. It's live to air, so what goes up the stick is out the stick. And good night, everybody. And as we leave. But people are already moved on to the next thing. You're yeah. not standing around going, champagne, everyone. What a fantastic. <laughs> Let's have a rap party every Friday. Have a rap party. Yeah. People, the journos have moved on. Yeah. You say to Caitlin, you know, produce, you go bye. She goes, yeah, you bye. I'm on to something else now. <laughs> you're, you're dead to me. Um, and I love that. That's just, okay. All right then. Uh, but TV, the, a lot of TV crawls up its own arse with its own self-importance. Oh, to be magnificent, we've made television. Mm. Mm. And
0: it's such a, uh, I don't know, you're so, it's so overthought in a lot of ways. And I think one of the great things about coming up through radio is that you find, it, it's, it tends to be that natural progression of ending up in TV or radio, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's one of those natural crossovers. But I often find when I do stuff in television, you know, it's the radio that makes me good on TV because you think, well, the set could fall down around us and we'd still be able to keep having a yap. But it's it's also frustrating because you feel like you're in a straitjacket sometimes on the telly. Yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, why do I have to
1: st- – mm. what do you mean? Mm. Just let – Do it just- again. I don't want to do it again. It was great. Yeah. yeah you fluffed it. People fluff stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? They do that. <laughs> it's normal. But, I, I mean, that, that skill of, of being able to dance on a moving rug mm. is – 'Cause I'm I'm not the prettiest person on the planet. I've got banjo players' teeth, my eyes are too close <laughs> together, my ears are too so I'm not pretty. And and in a lot of corporate world and what have you, they'll hire pretty, the higher the newsreader, yeah. or hire the higher the auto cue guy. The problem with that is they don't dance on that moving rug. Mm. You know, I've I've walked out of it and I've said that to corporate people, when you hire me, if you hire me, you get someone who can, when the sound shits itself, deal with it. Who's not just gonna stand there and go, We have to wait now <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> the auto cues died, I can I've got nothing to do. So when, when they come up to you and whisper, listen, the the guy's drunk, he won't be in for ten minutes, guess who can fill ten minutes? You yes. know? And that's a skill you develop in that live T V uh, stand up uh, radio stand up environment. Mm. Um in, in back in the, back in the day, the Kennedys, the Newtons, the Lanes and all these guys came from the club scene, you know, they came from either the club scene or radio. So they worked live audiences mm. You know, so they knew how to do the business if they had to if the I mean I've walked out of a corporate gig once and the, the lights shat themselves darkness <laughs> 20 minutes
0: <laughs> yeah you, you
1: work the room for 20 minutes or, or 10 and you go we're going to take a break and come back and then you do a bit more but that
0: gives you something it, to play with something also, like that it's also
1: in your blood that you. this has got to i got to do something mm. it's in your blood yeah you, you, you're part of who you are to Showbiz, it's the curtain and the ottoman And hi, welcome <laughs> to The Funny Thing Happened You're back to you again yeah. at age five
0: Do you think you've changed over the years?
1: I think I'm a better act now than I was yeah. Professionally, yeah, yeah You can thank the things like Backburner for that And the radio Because it, it, it imposed a discipline on me that I was avoiding mm-hmm. And that's the discipline of reading the paper actually having an idea and thinking oh, i'll make a note of that you don't have to write the whole thing out but just a note of the idea mm. um, so there is a discipline that comes with achieving being hired to do stuff um so i'm a better i think i'm a better act and and people often said oh why didn't you go to edinburgh back in the 90s you could have gone to edinburgh i would have sucked at <laughs> Edinburgh. if i went now i would i don't know i've never been to edinburgh it's pretty cutthroat but but i'd have a better chance of being noticed because my material stronger my attitude's stronger my presence is stronger my confidence on stage is stronger plus i don't give a f- so much and and that's what i take with me on stage you know if you if, 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 if you hate me nothing i can do about that if you're gonna die make it a quality death and go down you know really <laughs> yeah. you know?
0: do you think you've chilled or gotten more negative or positive or
1: um i think as you get older and responsibilities and life journey and like that I think I'm a little bit more stressed about career than I was at 25 when I started because who gave a shit yeah Uh, but now you know I've been doing it I think 28 years or something that's a long time and it's the longest job I've ever had you know and who knew that I have got away with it for 28 years and each year and there are times now see back in the day it didn't matter if you didn't earn any money you only you what you paid your rent to pay and hamburgers and beer and if you're gonna bought a foil from the crown you'd be a lucky man but now you sort of got bills to pay and you got real life bills they keep coming in and so at the end of every year i eh, sort of add up the receipts you think oh f- i made a living but it's i'm never confident moving forward that I'm going to make a living. So it's a little stressful. Then part of me thinks, oh, I could get a job at Bunnings. <laughs> I could. I, you know, you get on telly that way, in their ads. <laughs> but get a job at Bunnings and just show people where the nails are and then go home and, you know, pat the dog and hug the wife and watch the telly and go back to Bunnings the next day. And, and You'd really improve their TV ads. I've got to be frank. <laughs> I reckon I'd be grouse in the TV ads. Can you imagine that? You'd kill it. you get an apron and you get store discount. <laughs> That's, that's very true. Just, part of me—that's—I find that very appealing right now, mm. there. because there's a lot of BS in this business, and yep. if you're not wired to play the game, and I know people from my day who've played it extraordinarily well, they played extraordinarily well. Add talent to it, great. I might have a modicum of talent, but I never really played the game well. I don't think.
0: But I also think there are a whole bunch of variables outside of your control in this game. You could have talent and play the game well, and the timing could be wrong. You could be unlucky. Somebody in the bo- you know in Man, a position of authority fickle. could just like somebody else better than you. Oh. You know, there's a million Damn. reasons that are completely out of your control. I know
1: a lot of great stand-ups who've never done oh. anything, and a lot of lousy ones who are. F- Far Huge. over hyped beyond their ability. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, and they've got a nice haircut, or they've got the right body shape, and they've got great teeth, mm. and they present well. See, there's a, there's there's either people who are comics, and there are people who are presenters being comics, and there's a lot of presenters mm. got great teeth, <laughs> yeah. but they present. There's a great quote once that I think it was from an episode of Law and Order, but Larry Miller, who's a great comic, you, you would know him from um, the man who ran the dress shop in pretty woman quote was a uh, a good comic wakes up and sees the world as a funny place and a great comic doesn't you know and i think there's a lot of good comics out there and there are some great comics mm. and the great comics are usually a bit tortured and a bit at odds with the world they, they're at odds with the joint and they don't that rub the world rubs them up the wrong way and they rub back you know i think
0: what do you think's the best and the worst thing about this business
1: days off is the best <laughs> Really, the day's <laughs> off is the best. The uncertainty is the worst. Yeah. The inconsistency. If you can get into this business, and there have been some phenomenal success stories in this business who get to a point where they're financially comfortable. The finan- If you can get financially comfortable, even if you have a uh, – like, it's like sports stars and everything else. If you can have a 10-year run and you're smart enough to put it away for a rainy day because it won't last forever and you build enough – currency and goodwill with Mr and Mrs General Public that they allow you to be a part of the fabric of the network of the entertainment industry for long enough after your star has waned, because your star will yeah of course, then you've you've won the lottery because, mm. because to me that's the, the, the downside of the business as I get older is the inconsistency of it and the uncertainty of it, unless you are lucky enough, and there are examples like Hamish and Andy have cracked it, Rove cracked it um, Hughie's cracked it. Uh, Carl cracked it. Jemoean cracked it. All those guys—they they, certainly—and they cracked it at a level that they went through that level of just doing well to. I'm right now, and I'm, I have permission to be me forever now. Bert Newton cracked it. Grant yeah. Kennedy cracked it. Don Lane cracked it. There's a lot of that sort of, you know, Rob Bruff—not so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I, I mean? I still
0: see him when I go up to visit the fam in Queensland. He's reading the news. Yeah, that's right. And I have such a I have such a soft spot for absolutely. Rob. Absolutely.
1: I and, don't, he's done what, and look, you know what, he's, he's a survivor in the business, yeah. you know. And there are, you know, and some would say, Pete Burner's a bit like that, you know. He, had his, he was in, on the telly and some people remember him on the telly. A lot of people don't know who he was. A lot of people, you've got to go to events. You know, excuse me, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the MC <laughs> for the event. I don't, I don't have that sort of, wow, you're here, open the door. <laughs> uh, I've never been that guy. So maybe I've developed enough that allows me to live a little bit in the psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can get to retirement age... I'll never, I'll never pack out the Enmore I know that if the Enmore was packed I'd give them a crack and show mm. But my name on the marquee I don't think is going to sell enough tickets You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 if you play your cards right you can, and, you, and, you, and you play the game And a lot of it is down to not resisting Shaking the hands and slapping the back And going to the business and doing the thing Taking and being, Instagram photos Taking the Instagram photo <laughs> and self-promoting And there's yeah. a lot of that goes on if you can be prepared to do that And you become a marquee act God bless you I'm, 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 I can provide a good night's entertainment To the nine people that they're <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the nine pre-sales And, and they, I love the way they always go Look, we're expecting a lot of walk-ups <laughs> Oh really? What? 15, 1,500 walk-ups? Would there be 1,500 do you think? No, no not 1,500 <laughs> Should we cancel? Let's cancel Let's cancel Cancel it And we'll roll the tickets over tomorrow night If they can come I've had that too many times
0: Oh, that's so funny. All right, we're almost at the end. It's time for the final five. Ooh. Number one, your biggest regret either it could be something you said no to or a gig that you did that you wish you didn't?
1: Listening to other people when I my gut said do what I want do the material I want to do. Sometimes in this business people go, Oh, you probably should and you think afterwards you think, No, I should have just gone out and done my bit. Do what do what it is you do. Don't listen to other people.
0: Your dream gig or something that you haven't crossed off the bucket list yet. Oh,
1: I don't know. I've done um Yeah, my dream gig would be, you know, one night only at the Airmoor and it's packed. Yeah. That'd be great. It's not going to happen, but it'd be great. I mean, it could happen if I didn't sell any tickets and put it on for free. (laughs) Even then, I doubt I'd get a full house.
0: I don't know that that's... I'd have to go out and
1: get busloads from the airport and accidentally deliver them.
0: (laughs) I think you are Uh, harsher on yourself. I
1: don't know. I I think you've got to be be realistic too. You've got to be realistic. Otherwise, you'll burn money hand over fist. Mm. Pete Burner at the Opera House.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. Is this on?
1: <laughs> yeah, mate, we're going to turn it off.
0: <laughs> Is there any one big idea you had in your years of radio or telly or whatever that just never got up?
1: I went to networks in the mid ni- 2000s because I used to be an auctioneer and I went to the networks and said, Look, I've got an idea for a show because everybody's got storage spaces now, everybody's got these storage lockers and they forget about them because I'd just done the same thing. I'd just taken 15 grand's worth of gear to the tip that I'd left. You know, It cost me 15 grand to store it and most of it went straight to the tip. I said, I'll go in, we'll pull them apart, we'll pull out all the stuff and we'll talk to the punters about it, we'll get backstories and what have you and then we sell everything they've got. They're not allowed to pick anything out of it, we just sell it. They volunteer their space and we sell it and they went, nah, not going to work. Sure enough, storage, storage wars, porn stars, all that shit came. How's that for... Pissing you off. Oh, I don't know. It might have already been. It might have already. I don't know when it had started in the states, but I don't. It hadn't manifested here yet. So.
0: That's my great fear because, like you're saying, you know, I think little ideas on scraps of paper that never get done because other shit comes up, yeah. is the story of most of our lives, yeah. and I think. But it's the same thing: right you place, right time, Absolutely. Con- connections.
1: Absolutely, I've got ideas uh, that I share too often with people. I got an idea for a movie to some bloke in a pub, um, <laughs> yeah. and I oh, look. I've had it with jokes. I've done jokes, and I have flicked it on. And the Simpsons are doing it. And you go, you know, I did. Do-. You can't go on stage and go. By the way, I did this fifteen years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my joke then. <laughs> and now, because of social media, you're, you've got to be. You, in my day, you just had to be funnier than the bloke that went on before you. Mm. Now you've got to be funnier than everybody in the world. Yeah,
0: that's true. Past and present. Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, yeah, no, I've got I've got lots of those ideas. I remember pitching an idea with a mate at exactly the same time. And to its credit, this is just television. It's the Gestalt, the Working Dog crowd did. Um, have you been paying attention? I was pitching virtually the same. It wasn't that, that It wasn't basically a quiz show based on the news of the day at networks at the same time. Mm. I was talking to guys by. Um, when they, when they first commissioned the block And someone at a TV station said Mate, there were about 14 proposals For similar kind of shows Floating across desks at the same time That one just happened to tick all the right boxes And was made A lot of it's got to do with You might be a genius in your, And have a genius idea in your flat in Artarmon, But TV networks don't give blokes in the flat in Artarmon Budgets to make films They give it to people with guaranteed delivery mm. Working dog mm. You're great Pete they can deliver the project because they've got a track record of delivery. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the guys from Zapruder's other films and what, they've got a track record for delivery. They can do it. Pete Burner, in his spare room, God bless you. <laughs> you haven't got a, tra- so you've got you got to find a production company who believes in it. Mm. You've got to find a production company who can hook into it. And as soon as you do that.
0: Nice work, mate. <laughs> nice work
1: and you lose creative control. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about things like Working Dog is a group of people that know and like each other and have grown up together who support, and, and and encourage their and they own their creative vision as mm. a group. Um, and now they are, you know, they're the Beatles, man. We do what we want. They've had a couple of uh, misses, but by and large, look at the track record that they've done. It is awesome. Mm, Everything yeah. they touch is gold. And what and the networks would rather have a working dog thing than Pete from his spare room. <laughs> and I accept that.
0: It's Pete from his spare room productions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you weren't doing if you weren't doing showbiz, what would you be doing?
1: Scratching on the lid of my coffin, isn't that the way the joke goes? Um, <laughs> uh, if I wasn't doing showbiz, I would be Bunnings.
0: Would you be a full-time artist? Because this no, is one. No? no,
1: yeah, there's no money in that. Uh, no, no, Look, if I hadn't gone, if I hadn't done stand-up, I'd be uh, an overweight executive in advertising somewhere, and going home, patting the dog, and hugging the missus, and watching telly, and going back to work the next day, and maybe, and having said, I might have bought a small stake in a business, and maybe now be not working as hard, but but have a certainty of income. If
0: I gave you $50 million today and said the rest of your life is yours, what would...
1: I would do stand-up and I would paint and make art. I would do less corporate work. I'd still do the B-team because I enjoy it, but I wouldn't fret if they said we don't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't chase it so much. I wouldn't care that old mate got a job on radio or that show's being commissioned or his tweet got retweeted more times than your (laughs) tweet got retweeted. wouldn't worry (laughs) me. I I would make painting and I would make art, bad art that no one wanted... I would do jokes that some people like, and do TV until someone prettier came along.
0: <laughs> and finally, um, what's your advice for people who want to get into the business?
1: I don't. No, get into it. It's great. It's a great. It's great fun. It's unpredictable. It's hard work if you're prepared to do it. Network the shit out of it. Network. Make friends. Um, if you want to be a remote angry loner, you end up, you know, talking to a microphone between two. <laughs> freedom furniture cushions and nana's <laughs> rug over the top
0: with planes going with over every 2 over seconds
1: there. and john leaf blowing yeah. next door Who's he's probably more content with his job than you are That's no, it, it, it yeah, you just got it look, do it i reckon do it you, you look that, that was one of the motivations behind me originally is that i sat down one day and thought i know what advertising is like i know what this job's going to be like as it plays out i always thought if i, if I and when i gave up advertising i'm going to be a full-time comic i fully expected it to last a year And I could then look back in years to come and go, you know, I spent a year being an artist, being creative. And I've, you know, stumbled upwards ever since.
0: You're still here.
1: Still here. You're still here. In between the cushions.
0: (laughs) In the heady heights of stardom. This
1: is stardom, baby. (laughs) And I'm about to walk up to the train station. (laughs)
0: Uh, Peter Berner, Hmm. thank you for coming and chatting about your life and all of the ups and downs of showbiz. Edit
1: it kindly. (laughs) I will, I promise. Be gentle (laughs) with me. Thanks for listening to You've Gotta Start Somewhere. Thanks. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date,
0: head to You've Gotta Start Somewhere.com. Thanks so much for listening, and if you've made it all the way to the end, That means that you survived the ambient noises. I tell you, it was like the world was against us. Every single thing that could happen in the neighbourhood happened, but sometimes that's just the nature of show business. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review wherever you download it. You can head to to you'vegottestartsomewhere.com if you want to check out the show notes pages for any of the episodes or have a look at some of the other people that I have interviewed so far. If you've missed them, make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well so you don't miss an episode and if you would like to make your very own podcast you can head to podschool.com.au which is my online podcasting course that takes you through everything you need to create your own show potentially with the sounds of wildlife in the background and uh, next week I am talking to Sylvia Jeffries the newsreader from Channel 9's Today Show she talks to me about her career and the path that she's taken to get herself on the desk at the Today Show one of the most coveted jobs in television and the fact that on the road To a gig like that, not every job is great. I think potentially my lowest point (laughs) (laughs) was—I love sentences that begin like (laughs) that—a dog fashion parade in Brisbane. (laughs) One of the galleries was had some kind of Valentino exhibition, so they ran a fashion parade for your dogs, and you had to dress them in red for Valentino. And I had to do a full one minute twenty package on. The dog fashion parade and which one stood out from the rest. How many cliches do you think oh, was in Oh, I can't story. even. I do you not. Know, it actually pains me to think about what that script was. I'd love to go back and find it, actually, to probably... <gasps> I should have dug that out for you that's there the was, one thing oh. those kind of it's rain, it's thank goodness it's not raining cats and dogs like, here because like, oh. it's victoria corningstone <laughs> you know the cat fashion parade and here i am actually doing it yeah. for an actual news story yeah yeah all got it, but it's all part of we the laugh at anchorman yeah. but we all have our own <laughs> anchorman moment i hope you'll join me for that interview next week thanks so much again for listening and i'll see you then